Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. And just a little bit more on the current weather situation. So now northern Milwaukee County is getting in on some of the snow, maybe a rain-snow mix. And then south of that, if you're seeing something that looks like rain, maybe some freezing rain mixed in there based on the reports I'm seeing here on the old National Bank Talk and Text line, which is 855-616-1620 if you can safely text us travel conditions uh, after you've pulled over or have a moment to do that. This and seems like just an entree, though. Yeah, there's a lot of the everything out there. The main course is coming up in a couple of days, it sounds like. Oh, you mean you're talking the, the Saturday snow that yeah. could accumulate four to six inches possible for some spots six in southeast inches. Wisconsin? Not interesting. <laughs> no, thank you. Of slush. Yeah. yeah it's going to be that wet, heavy <laughs> stuff. Not going to stick around for very long, but it's going to be enough to prevent you from getting out there enjoying spring. Uh, a couple of folks asking about the Summerfest acts, and again, we're going to have Scott Zeal, Director of Entertainment for Summerfest, joining us live at 6.20 this morning to help us sort through the 100-plus acts that were just dropped for the upcoming festival in late June and into July. But you can text the word, what did we decide on, Fest? Fest. Text the word Fest, F-E-S-T, yep. to the Old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Text the word Fest. And we will blast out to you the graphic that Summerfest produced that has all of those acts on there. They don't have the stages assigned yet, and they don't have the specific dates, although they do break the acts all into which weekend of Summerfest they're going to be on. Remember, again, Summerfest sticking with the Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, configuration, three consecutive weekends for that. So it'll be a nine-day festival, and they do break the acts out in that way. So you know who's coming which weekend, but we still don't know stages or um, show dates for all of them. Text the word FEST to us, and we'll blast that out to you. And Scott Zeal, director of Summerfest, joining us live in just about five minutes. Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. With only 11 games remaining for Milwaukee and a four-game road trip looming, the Bucks were looking for some home cooking Wednesday night against the visiting Spurs. Sends a pass to the corner, Middleton works at the Ingles. They work at touch passes back and forth. Now a cop, it comes to Portis, and Portis drills the three. Man, that ball was like a ping-pong ball. It was just one spot to the next. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ. BP would sink that and finish the game with 19, and Giannis would lead the game, though, with 31 points and 14 boards in just 23 minutes as the Bucks take care of business, defeating the Spurs by a final score of 130-94. to After the game, head coach Mike Budenholzer on his team finding their stride and sharing the ball. When we're playing unselfish and sharing it and uh, making um, good decisions and good reads um, and making threes, then you know that's when we're at our best. With the win, the Bucks remain two and a half games in front of the Boston Celtics for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Now, there is a little bit of a debate and some dilemma for the Bucks and maybe even some of their fans. Do they rest their guys heading into the postseason, or do they go for that number one seed? I mean, I think we want it. I think we want the one seed. Even, like, after All-Star break, right, it's been super close between really the top three teams in the East. It's not something we obsess about. We're not, like, checking it every day, every game. Like, I, I think we're definitely aware of it, and I know as a group, I, I know we want the one seed. Bucks guard Grayson Allen addressing the media on Wednesday as the Bucks now get set for a four-game road trip beginning Friday in Utah. Over to the Diamond, 
where the regular season is just one week away for the Brewers and manager Craig Council. Well, he's feeling pretty good about where the Brew Crew's starting rotation currently sits at this moment. I, I couldn't be happier with the physical status of our starters. I, I think we're in we're in a good spot. Like we've got them like prep wise, health health related. Um, like but they've done everything we're supposed to do, so we're, we're in a good spot. The Brewers are back in action today, taking on the San Diego Padres. First pitch is set for 310. Text the word FEST to 855-616-1620. We'll blast you to the link of the 100-plus acts just announced this morning. We have the Director of Entertainment for Summerfest, Scott Zeal, joining us live next. Coming in with Earth, Wind, and Fire this morning, one of the 100-plus acts just announced for Summerfest 2023. That breaking news this morning, you heard it earlier in the hour, the big gig dropping its entire lineup, basically, of more than 100 artists just minutes ago. Actually, we're still sifting through all the bands and performers that will occupy the nine-day festival that is now just three months away. Scott Zeal is the Director of Entertainment for Summerfest, and he is on Wisconsin's radio station live this morning with the big news. Morning, Scott. Good morning, everyone. Hey, I hope you're fired up. We are. We just trying to, like I said, just trying to sift through this huge information dump. So, but let me start with this: you book all these acts, Scott. How do you judge who is a Summerfest worthy band, and then where you put these shows, which stage they go on? Sure. Well, first of all, we start by listening to all of our customers, everybody in uh, in Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin and around the Midwest about their favorite bands and who they'd like to see. See, now, and I think so that's, we, let me just interrupt you. I think that's the wrong yeah. answer. Don't you start with, like, the 10 bands you want to see? <laughs> You're <laughs> just book whoever you want. Like, it's your own private playlist? My wife told me I only get to pick one okay. guilty pleasure band. <laughs> Perfect. And all, all the other ones have to be the, the, the biggest names in music that we can uh, attract to the festival. But, yeah, we're out working hard, you know, even a year. Uh, you know, we're working on 2024's festival even before presenting 2023. So our team, we have a lot of diversity in terms of music, rock, and hip-hop, and country, and EDM. We want to present something for every every possible customer who comes to Summerfest. We're talking with Scott Zeal. He's the director of entertainment for Summerfest. If you text the word FEST to 855-616-1620, we'll blast you the list of all the artists just dropped today. And also, you can see which stage they're performing on and the showtimes as well. That's in greater detail as well. Hey, Scott, you mentioned Guilty Pleasure. Now you got to say which one it is. Oh, my goodness. You're going to put me on the spot, aren't you? <laughs> yes. You know... There's, there's the the ones that are really super exciting for us is when we catch them on the ground floor. So there's a kid by the name of Noah Khan who's a, a singer songwriter. He uh, he you know he could be like the next John Mayer. I really really like him. I mean we're super excited to have some great women in music. Lauren Daigle, a great pop artist and. Coyle Ray. So there's there's lots to choose from, and please, yeah, go to the website, do a dive in, pick, uh, start picking the the artists that you want to see at the the 55th anniversary of Summerfest. And you have some familiar artists too that come year in year out and and really rock the stage too. Do you have artists reaching out to you guys ever? Do they ever call you and say, hey, do you got an open spot for us? 
Summerfest and, and Milwaukee has a great reputation around the country and even internationally with such an amazing, uh, you know, park, the 75 acres, beautiful land on the lake. Uh, you know, the fact that it's the, the whole park is all permanent stages and restaurants and it's so clean and convenient that yes, we get calls from a lot of artists that want to come and perform every year and they help us spread the word to, to new artists that we attract. Scott Zeal is the director of entertainment for Summerfest. Text the word fest to the old national bank talk and text line. We'll send you the lineup. That's eight five five six one six one six twenty. Still a couple of headliners to announce for the American family insurance amphitheater stage, Scott, uh, January or uh, July 1st, rather, and July 6th. I don't expect you to break the news right here, right now, but can you, you can, can mean, you give us a genre even like, is there someone, uh, are there bands in particular you're looking for or a gap you're looking to fill there? Just think big, 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 right? That's what we do here is uh, we go after the biggest and best names in music. So a lot of times when you see like TBAs on their schedule, it has kind of to do with the, um, an artist who books a whole tour and they want to announce the tour at all at the same time. So we have to be patient, but in the next uh, couple of weeks, you'll see two great shows headlining the American family insurance amphitheater. Yeah. We can't wait to present. So it sounds like we already know who they are. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Crossing T's dotting I's Scott Steele, director of uh, Scott Zeal, director of entertainment for Summerfest. Thanks for the time. Congratulations. Scott. Yeah, great lineup. Thanks, guys. Thank you for the support. And I'll dream each night of some version of you that I might not have, but I did not lose. Now your tired tracks and one pair of shoes, and I'm split in half, but that will have to do. Listening to Noah Khan performing June 24th on the Briggs & Stratton Big Backyard Stage at Summerfest. Director of Entertainment Scott Zeal calling him the next John Mayer. And he's coming to the Summerfest. And you know what it reminds me of? Another good example of that was Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons came and played one of the side stages to a humongous crowd, and now they're playing the amphitheater a couple every other year, it seems like. That's what Scott said. They like to find, what do you call it, the, the band on the ground floor? Mm-hmm. or The rising stars? Just, just starting to ascend. You get them on one of those smaller stages there at Summerfest, which still have thousands of people. Sure. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You're right. And then you... Catch them when they're on their way up. And then hopefully they have a great experience and want to come back when they're the big show and they've got choices, right? It sounds like they do. Sounds like they a lot of these acts call. Hey, can we come in? Another thing I want to put on your radar for today happening in the news is we'll have another Milwaukee Public Museum reveal. We're going to learn more about the Wisconsin Journey Gallery that will be part of MPM's new $240 million museum set to open in 2026. We already had the reveal of one of the five permanent galleries Time travel, that's the one with the dinosaurs. Yeah. So we learned a lot more at that. They had some of the uh, gallery designers there who are helping imagine that space and are going to create the exhibits and the different things that you'll see. And so I imagine they'll be back in some form talking about, okay, this new space. And there are going to be five permanent galleries and then one thing for the traveling exhibits and things like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. And the next one, uh, today they're going to be talking about Wisconsin Journey. This is what the museum told us about this space initially. The Wisconsin Journey Gallery will be an entire exhibit floor focused on the geological wonders and strong and varied cultures of Wisconsin, from the Driftless region to the Northwoods, the Apostle Islands, Great Lakes, and Wisconsin's vast prairie lands. So exactly what that looks like and what they're thinking is going to be revealed later today 
keep an eye on that for you. I'll bring you some of the highlights tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And through the day here on Wisconsin's Morning News. 6.43, Brandon Snide has sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Giannis scored 31 points, snagged 14 boards, and Chris Middleton added 19 as the Milwaukee Bucks took care of business at home defeating the San Antonio Spurs by a final of 130-94. to The Bucks used a strong 15-2 run to finish the first half and didn't look back as they secure their 52nd win on the season. With the win, the Bucks remain two and a half games in front of the Boston Celtics for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. And they get ready for a four-game road trip beginning in Utah Friday night. Over to the Diamond as the Milwaukee Brewers are just one week away from opening their season in Chicago to take on the Cubs and are back in action today as they get set to face off with the Padres. First pitch is set for 3-10. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers season opener is just one week away from today where their 2021 Cy Young winner Corbin Burns will likely get the start against Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. This is the same starting pitcher that somehow lost his arbitration case against the Brewers this winter and voiced his displeasure in regards to that as spring training started roughly a month ago. The Brewers also enter 2023 with some mixed expectations for their play on the field, but one thought remains constant for most Brewers fans off the field. Will they be able to extend Burns, who is set to become a free agent after the 2024 season? The answer, well, chances are high that that is not going to happen. And if yesterday's news of Burns changing his representation from Creative Arts Agency to Scott Boris was any indication, the Cy Young winner will likely be looking for a massive and well-earned payday. Now, with the Brewers unlikely to dish out the money that Corbin will rightfully demand, new Brewers general manager Matt Arnold has a huge decision to make in only his first year. Do you let the guy walk for free in 2024, or do you make a trade within, let's say, the next year? And when is the best time to trade, arguably, your best starting pitcher in franchise history? When is his value the highest? My take, if it was up to me, I would pay him, but since nobody cares what I would do, they care what the Brewers will do. And in my opinion, the Brewers will not pay him. And if that's to be the case, I hate to say this, as I am a huge Corbin Burns fan, but if... The Brewers are to remain competitive in the near future and in the way they choose to operate. Matt Arnold needs to trade him prior to 2024, maybe as soon as this season. It wouldn't be difficult to find a team that believes their winning window is open now and willing to pay any price for a top pitcher in the league. Now, I don't necessarily see that happening soon, but it really all depends on how these next few weeks start and months start for the Milwaukee Brewers. They start out slow. Do not be surprised to see the rumor mills start to turn around in Milwaukee. You think I'm crazy about this? That's that's okay. Everybody thinks I'm crazy about it too. But then I remember this is the same team, the same ownership that sent the league's best closer in Josh Hader in August of last season when they were in first place with just two months to go in this season. That was also the same team that missed the postseason to a team that went on to play in the World Series. Look. Nothing surprises me anymore with the Milwaukee Brewers. And if they want to continue to compete without dishing out record-setting contracts and extensions to players that are, in my opinion, worth it, this is the unfortunate path they must follow.
This trial played out for weeks on national TV. Alec Murdoch, whom a jury decided did in fact kill his wife and son, but the conviction and attention on the case has caused new scrutiny on a cold case related to the same family. ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett is with us from Washington. Brad, I know in your law enforcement history, you've looked into a lot of cold cases before. Tell us about this one that now involves Alec Murdoch's oldest son. So it involves uh, potentially Buster Murdoch. So in July of 2015, eight years ago, roughly, uh, Buster Murdoch would have been in high school. He had a high school friend by the name of Stephen Smith. Stephen was found dead on a remote road outside of town, and I think the initial reporting was it might be a hit and run because he's laying in the middle of the road, deceased. So the South Carolina State Police, the troopers, and paramedics show up, and they both work the scene and I think jointly conclude that it doesn't look like a hit and run to them. It looks like a murder. It looks like the body was just dumped or placed uh, at this particular location, literally in the center of the road. Now, they base that on the following. There's no apparent wounds to his lower extremities. His shoes are still on, which apparently is almost impossible to keep your shoes on if you get hit by a car, as gruesome as that sounds, going 50-plus miles an hour. Um, and he, he has a head wound, and he's got defensive wounds on his hands. There's no tread marks where somebody skid. There's no glass. There's no glass in or uh, on uh, Stephen. And so that's how they write it up. Well, it gets to the coroner, and the coroner then basically concludes that, yes, he died of blunt force trauma, but it's a result of a car hitting him, completely against what the initial investigators believe it was. So, So the case sort of dies at that point. When Alex Murdoch is uh, being investigated for killing his his wife and his son, which he was convicted and now doing life, the the South Carolina uh, Law Enforcement Division, SLED, uh, apparently unearthed this case during their investigation. They put together Alex's case, and they then figured out, well, this is not a hit and run. This is clearly a homicide, and now they're investigating it. So how Buster Murdoch fits into this is that According to at least what I've watched, the the HBO and the Netflix docs that are out there on this case, that Stephen was gay. Uh, his mother has actually said that, that he was, and that he had some sort of relationship, according to some kids around them, that Buster and Stephen were having a relationship. And that Stephen called after he ran out of gas that night and asked Buster to come pick him up. Now, you know... Th- does that mean Buster was involved? No, but it is sort of at least some connection. The other bizarre aspect that the next day when uh, Stephen's body is found, um, about an hour or so after that discovery, Alex Murdoch shows up at the wreck scene or at the, where the body was found. Like, well, how did he even know to go out there, right? I mean, the town didn't even know Stephen was deceased on this road. So you have that aspect, like, you know, what's going on there? You know, Alex was known for controlling things, and this might be another example of that. So if they exhume the body and investigate Mm -hmm. it, what what do you learn eight years later? A lot. I've learned a lot 25 years later in homicide cases. I assume SLED has done the following, because this is what I would do. 
you would go back and obviously re-interview all those classmates. And, uh, you know, Buster's probably not talking to them, but Buster apparently was with with some other boys that night. Have they located them? Uh, I I assume they've stepped to the corner and the medical examiner and said, well, why did you write it up this way when the troopers said it wasn't this way? You know, it was pressure placed on you, etc. And then if you add the the autopsy, it may give them some – you'd be surprised even eight years later, which you can still sort of assess if you know what you're doing, um, that may add to you know this mystery. When Law & Order says rip from the headlines, these are the stories they're talking about. Brad, thanks very much for your <laughs> perspective this morning. You're welcome. Take care.